hearts to receive them. In Jesus' name, amen. As I told you, God's doing a tremendous work right now. And it almost seems like we're in the silent years, the gap between Malachi and the New Testament, 400 years. Theologians call it the silent years because there wasn't much happening then. And yesterday in prayer, the Lord had given Mehdi something, and she came up to Teresa and I, she goes, I just want to encourage you guys. I said, great, we'll take all the encouragement we can get. And she goes, even though you're not seeing a whole lot of stuff right now, God just impressed in my heart that he's working behind the scenes. Amen. And he is. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, starting in verse 1, the Apostle Paul gave Timothy the very characteristics that we're gonna, he was going to see, not in the world, although this happens in the world, and it's understandable that it would happen because they don't have Jesus. But these are characteristics that he told young Timothy, the minister, that was going to start doing ministry, the characteristics that he would see in the church. And starting in verse 1, he says, But know this, that in the last days, perilous times, perilous, difficult, harsh times, hard to deal with times, that they would come. And then he lists the characteristics that would be seen in these last days. Now remember, these are people in the church. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. And from such people, you just hang around them all the time. You're looking at me crazy. No, he says, from such people, turn away. Jesus said, a little leaven leavens a whole lump. We know that bad behavior corrupts good character. And it's a spirit that's coming into the church like we've never seen before. Jesus told us in John chapter 14, verses 16 and 18, he said, I will pray to the Father and he will give you another helper or another comforter, one just like me, that he will abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you and then he concludes all of this by saying, I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. Aren't you glad that Jesus prayed that prayer for you and I? In fact, he says later on, it's to your advantage that I go away because if I don't go away, the Father can't send another one like me in the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth. Father God is restoring fatherhood. And he's doing it through the spirit and the power of Elijah. Why? To turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. If Father God doesn't reestablish fatherhood on this earth, guess what? We're not going to be ready for the Lord's return. We won't be. 
Because without a father speaking in our lives, we walk through life without high purpose. We walk around without any sense of direction on where we're to go, what we're to do, who we're to be. There's nothing but confusion when there's an absence of a father figure in our lives. You say, well, why don't you wait until Father's Day to preach this? Well, because the Lord told me to start preaching it right now because we couldn't wait till Father's Day. The horrific event that happened down in Texas with those little children. Can you imagine that? How devastating. And yet, every day, there are youth that are just wandering about in this world, wondering, what am I supposed to do? Who am I? Where am I going? The devil has done a really good job of trying to bring confusion in the two institutions that God has ordained to bring a foundation stability in our society, that being marriage between one man and one woman and between the family unit. Those two institutions have been under attack. All the more that Father God needs to bring that because he desires to father each one of us. The church desperately needs this fresh, vibrant revelation of sonship in order to receive our final portion of our inheritance in Christ. For the sake of the gospel and the sake of the massive harvest, we have a mandate from Father God to finish strong. Look at your neighbor and say, hey, we're going to finish strong. Tell them that they're going to finish strong. And that you're going to do everything to see that they finish strong. We got to hold each other accountable. When we see someone falling down that trail of those characteristics that Paul told Timothy were going to happen, we need to call those people to, to, uh, to a place of recognition. You don't know what kind of spirit you're of. You're being a traitor. You're headstrong. No one can tell you anything. Come on. Wake up. We need to get in each other's face. And when we see a deficit, when we see a spirit that's not of God in a brother or sister of the Lord, we should be able to go to them in the spirit of love and say, listen, I'm concerned about you. Sometimes we don't know what we don't know. Sometimes we get so caught up in some of this stuff, we don't even recognize that we're even saying the wrong things or doing the wrong things or believing the wrong things. The Lord's calling us to a place. A place where we are willing to be fathered. And I ask you today that question, are you willing to be fathered? The Apostle Paul said this in Corinthians 4, chapter, or verses 14 and 16, I do not write these things to shame you, but as my beloved children, I warn you. He had a relationship with those that he begat. He had a relationship with those, those children in the church of Corinth. And he said, listen, my beloved children, 
I'm not here to shame you. I'm not here to put you down. And a true father is never there to shame you or to put you down. But a true father is there to warn you. If he sees danger that's ahead, he sees something that isn't right, he's not going to sit back and just say, well, I'll just let them figure it out on their own. But a father is going to warn you. For though you may have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you, imitate me. I want you to say this after me. Say, there is a father that I need to form me, to form my character, and bring me into full maturity in Christ. In Psalm 2-7, it's a messianic psalm. It's speaking of Jesus, and it says, I, speaking of Father God, will declare the decree the Lord has said to me, speaking of uh, Jesus, God the Son, you are my my beloved Son. Today I have begotten you. As a way of review, again, what does that word begotten mean? The word begotten means that something is, is, is brought forth. It's generated through procreation. It comes out of the seed of something to create something new. Amen. Amen. In the born-again experience, there are two specific meanings to being begotten of the Lord. Again, this is a review from last week. Number one, it means to be uniquely marked or sealed for a purpose. When we became born again of the spirit of the living God through the work of the cross and what Jesus Christ did for us, then at that moment, we we were uniquely marked with the seal of God on us. Can you imagine? Chad, you're a farmer. You have some livestock. You take them, don't you? Ranchers, sometimes they would brand somebody. Aren't you glad that we're not branded? Oh, my Lord, that would hurt. But when we gave our heart to Jesus, there was a mark and a seal that was put upon us. And listen to what the scriptures say about that. Ephesians 4.30, it says, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. The moment you said, Jesus, come into my life, I cannot do it. And Jesus came and you became born again. Immediately the Holy Spirit came upon you and you were sealed now onto the day when you're going to be redeemed fully. Hallelujah. In 2 Timothy 2.19, it says, Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands. What is the solid foundation of God that stands? It's, it's the seal. The seal is this. The Lord knows those who are his. The Lord knows if you're his or not. The Lord knows. Let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. When you're truly born again, listen, it's really, really hard to sin. There are some in the body of Christ that say, once saved, always saved. And I say there's some truth to that. Because if you are truly born again of God, you're truly begotten of the Spirit, you're truly begotten of Him, listen, it's going to be really hard for you to sin. Because you've got the Holy Ghost inside of you, that Spirit of truth. And so when you have a bad attitude or you, 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 you do something, you start transgressing, we talked about this, all of a sudden the Holy Spirit's going to just rise up inside of you and say, no, no, that was wrong. No, 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 you shouldn't have done that. No, no. If you don't feel miserable when you sin, then I wonder if you're born again, you need to come down to the altar and give your heart to Jesus. But when you love God, 
You don't want to sin. When you're begotten of him, you are his. Amen. The second meaning of that word begotten is not only to be uniquely marked and sealed for a purpose, but secondly, it's to be taken out of and to be formed for maturity. God did not cause you to be born again. He didn't put his spirit inside of you, Mitty, just so you could just keep on doing what you were doing before. If you were given to a cursing like a drunken sailor, you just keep on cursing like a drunken sailor. No, that's not it. If you were given to uh, uh, being flirtatious and, 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 and all of that, no, no, you don't continue doing that. Amen. But you become a new creature in Christ. What does it say in 2 Corinthians 5.17? Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, come on, somebody, are you in Christ? Then you're a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Everything's new now. You see everything through the eyes of the Lord. Now, granted, you got to do something to renew this thinking, because if you stay with stinking thinking, you're going to stay in that old man. And as I told you before, I'll tell you again, the most miserable person, the definition of misery is someone who's born again that does not renew their mind. That's torture. Because you got this internal battle going on all the time, you see. you got the spirit of truth saying, no, you shouldn't be doing that. But with your mind, you just can't understand because you're still living for self. Philippians 1.6 being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it unto the day of Jesus Christ. So the Apostle Paul says again in Galatians 4.19, my little children for whom I labor in birth again. Hmm. Ladies, can you, come on. I'm so glad I'm not a woman. Every day I go, thank you, Jesus, I'm not a woman. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. I, I grew up in a house of five sisters. Somebody was going through that time of the month. You know what I'm saying? And I didn't know if I should look straight ahead or look... I just, I just did my own thing. I just stayed out of the way. Women, I don't know how you do it. You are truly amazing. Your, your pain threshold is really great. Compared to men, you guys are superstars. But I can't imagine, ladies, that you would have to birth a grown person again after you already birthed that, 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 that precious little bundle when they were a baby. But the Apostle Paul says a true father not only labors one time to bring birth, new birth into you, but he will do it again. He will labor again. And this time it's even more more grievous, more, the, the, the burden is intense. A true father burdens over his children, Amen. is constantly in prayer for his children, constantly fasting for his children, constantly waking up at night with your picture in my head. I'm telling you, I see it all the time. Amen. And you all look great. But when you're a true father, you are continually laboring for your children until you see Christ formed in them. That's why when a pastor says, church, this is what the Lord's told me. We need to come together, corporate prayer, fasting. He's hoping that you say, okay, dad. And he's hoping that you'll show up for the time of prayer and fasting. Because it's for your betterment. 
We need to be fathered in this hour. A good, wise father will never give his children their, their legacy or their inheritance if they're not ready to receive it in their character. I shared this with you last week, but i got to share it again. You will never receive your full... How many of you are waiting for Father God to give you something you've been praying for? You've been praying for. Yeah. Come on, be honest. Every hand should go up because you all should be believing for something. Amen. Right. It's not that Father God doesn't want to give it to you. Just like Brittany saying, the 99-cent whistle. Some gifts should give you kids. You're just thinking, i, I got to do something to hide that gift after a while. Yeah. And as he's going, yeah. <laughs> But they know when you can handle something and when you can't. Because a legacy or inheritance prematurely given will destroy. Will destroy you. Even though you think you're ready, beloved. Even though you think you've arrived. Even though you think you've put in your time and you can handle it. And you have the capacity to handle it. You have the maturity to handle it. That's why the Holy Spirit right now has to do this supernatural work inside of us. That's the reason why he has to bring correction into the body of Christ right now. That's why he's saying, come on, you guys. Maybe some of you have been really miserable lately. That's why you've been miserable. Because your flesh is, is bucking against what the Holy Spirit's trying to do, beloved. What he, how he's trying to shape you and shape your character and bring you to that place of maturity because God's got something so much better for you than you could ever think or imagine. And you have to be able to handle it. Deuteronomy 8.18, turn there with me. We know this scripture. I could probably quote it from you, but memory, but I want to make sure I get it right. It says, and you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power. Say power. He gives you the power. That word power in the Hebrew means he gives you the capacity. He gives you the ability. He gives you the, uh, the, 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 the wealth for all to be able to take care of this wealth now. He's the one that gives you power to have wealth. Why? So his covenant may be established upon this earth as he swore to our fathers as it is this day. How many know Father God wants to pour out his blessings upon us like we've never ever seen before? How many know that he's a good God, he's a covenant God, and he wants to see his covenant shown? He wants to show us off like never before. Well, in order for him to do that, in order for us to walk in the abundant blessings, listen, we have to be able to handle it. Because if he would give it to us now without us being ready in our character, if we're not fully mature enough to handle it, listen, it could destroy us. And in fact, some could even walk away from the faith. And your eternal salvation is too important to Father God to just go ahead and give it to you when you're not ready to handle it. It says in Proverbs chapter 20, verse 21, an inheritance gained hastily in the beginning will not be blessed in the end. We've heard of stories who have, of people who have won the lottery. And if you play the lottery and you win, I'll take the money. But just don't tell me you played the lottery. Just say, the Lord, just somehow you just got the increase, okay? How do you think the wealth of the wicked is going to come to us? No, praise the Lord. Okay. La, 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 la. Okay, Proverbs 20, verse 21, an inheritance gained hastily. Okay, so we already said that. Also, Proverbs 28, 20 says, a faithful man will abound with blessings, but he who hastens to be rich will not go unpunished. Hmm. But in order for us to be begotten, 
or to get into that place of maturity or high purpose so we can contain the blessing that God wants to give us so badly is we have to be willing to go through the process. We have to be willing to go through the process. I've seen it too many times. I've seen it too many times. Sons and daughters that come to me, it happens all the time. They'll call and they'll say, Pastor, I'm really thinking God wants me to do this thing. I said, okay. And I ask them questions to see if they're ready. Knowing that in my spirit, I don't feel that they're ready. But I have to ask these questions. Maybe they could see. And I'll say, and they'll say, whatever you say, Pastor, I'll do. Whatever you want me to do, I submit to you, Pastor. And I'll tell them, I don't think it's your time to do this yet. I think you still need to wait on God a little bit more. I'm glad that you shared this with me. Let me pray and fast with you. And let me help you so you get, we can have the right timing so this thing can succeed. Okay. Two weeks later, hey, Pastor, God's really speaking to me to do this thing. It's the same conversation over and over. I, I hear probably about four times, and after the fourth time, I see that they're not going to listen to anything I say, so I go, go ahead. Go ahead. Sometimes mere words, it says in scriptures, isn't enough. Sometimes we've got to learn the hard way. So this brother and sister, they're sold out for Jesus Christ, aren't they? They're doing everything that a good Christian, every one of us should do. They give, they fast, they pray. They're in church every time the doors are open. They're being transformed by God. They're dying to themselves every day. And wouldn't you know, Jesus Christ becomes more and more seen in them. They start talking like Jesus. They start walking like Jesus. And then all of a sudden, another brother and sister in the Lord will say, my, look at you. Have you ever thought of being a pastor? And that's all that person needed to hear. And they're off running. Then they come to me and they say, Pastor, God's called me to be a pastor. I said, wonderful. So can I preach this Sunday? I go, no. But you don't understand. I've had prophetic word after prophetic word after prophetic word. Let me tell you something about prophetic words long as I'm on it. I'm sorry, it's a holiday weekend. I'm just, I'm just saying it like it is. I'm all for prophecy. I'm all for prophecy. It helps guide us. It's one of, the, it's one of the, the, the gifts of the Spirit that Paul says he gives a whole chapter dedicated to prophecy. Uh, it, it, 14, 1 Corinthians 14. But if you are looking for a word because you're lazy and you're not seeking God for yourself in the word for yourself and you're not seeking him in prayer and fasting for yourself, how many know that the devil can use somebody to bring you a word to get you off track? Some of you that went to this conference this weekend, I have nothing wrong with the reverend that held it. I have nothing wrong with prophetic. Listen. But some of you probably got a dozen words from different people. Again, you can have a lot of different teachers. You can have a lot of voices coming into you. 
Let me tell you something. Too many voices breeds confusion. And so be careful. You know, if, if a man or woman of God, not even one that's called to be a prophet, but just a man or woman of God, comes to you and says, you know what? You're called to be a pastor, or you're called to be an evangelist, or you're called to be a teacher, or you're called to be an apostle, or you're called... They, see, they go through the whole list of the Ephesians 4 ministry offices. Be wary of that. Because my word says that Jesus is the only one that calls people to those ministry offices. And not only that, but he says, and he called some to be pastors, some to be teachers, some to be evangelists, some to be prophets. The operative word is some. You know what, if I knew now today what I knew back then, I don't know if I'd be a pastor right now. If you're not called to it, don't try to pry the door open. You need to know that you're begotten of God because if you're not begotten of God, it's going to be the worst hell you've ever been through. But if you're called to it, I'll do whatever I can do to help you. But a prophet of God, if they're truly a prophet, a servant of God, will say, first before they give you that word, they'll say, are you connected to a pastor? Because again, a true shepherd is a true father. Okay, I need to get off of this now. Remember the prodigal son, the younger one? Daddy, I want my inheritance now. Daddy, I'm ready to handle it now. I'm ready to teach. I'm ready to preach. I'm ready to lead up this ministry. Look at me now. Look how God's using me. Look at all the signs, wonders, and miracles. I even prayed for somebody, and they fell under the power of the Holy Ghost. Well, I guess you've arrived. And I can just imagine the father in this story of the prodigal son, what he was thinking. I'm sure he was looking at that son and he was saying, son, you have no idea what spirit you're of right now. You have no idea what you're getting yourself into. So like the father in this parable, you do say, okay, go. And you notice in the parable of the prodigal, the father didn't send his blessing on his younger son to go. If we read it, we don't see. Son, I send you with my blessing. But he sent his son on his way with his inheritance, with his consent. There's a difference between going out from a church with the blessing of the father of the house versus going out of a church with just the consent of the father. Pastor Dan and Sharon were pastoring the church at this time, so you don't even know who I'm talking about. But there was, there was a person, I'm not going to say if it was a he or she, because I'm not here to talk about anybody. But, but this person, Dan and Sharon were, well, Pastor Dan and Sharon were out of town that weekend. And this person could not wait to talk to Pastor Dan and Sharon. 
So this person calls and says, we got to meet with you and Teresa right now. And I said, well, shouldn't you be waiting for Pastor Dan? No, we got to talk to you now. So I said, okay. So this individual came over to our house, knocked on the door. And this person said, "Um, we got to leave the church. And I said, okay. Why do you need to leave the church? Well, we we did this and we did that. I'm not even, I can't even tell you because you'll know. And so we just have to go. And we want your blessing. And I looked at that person and I said, no, I can't give you my blessing. <laughs> Why not? Because if I gave you that blessing because you're out of offense, what's going to happen is you're going to fall under the curse of Cain and you're going to be a wanderer and a vagabond and you're not going to fulfill your destiny in Jesus. I thought pastors are supposed to be really meek and always nice. That's a pastor. A father tells it like it is. Church, it's time for us to grow up. We say we're Christians. We say we're spirit-filled. We say that we want the glory of God. We say that we want revival. We want things to happen. God, use us. Oh, come on. Well, then we got to grow up so we can contain it. So we can handle it. Listen, there isn't a, a true father that doesn't want to see you succeed farther than what he has gone. A true father, a true shepherd wants to see you succeed and do everything that you can do and be everything that you can be for Jesus. A true father has to stand before the judgment seat of Christ to give an account for what he did while you were here under his care. I take that very seriously. I just did a wedding last weekend, and I I, I repented all the way home because I knew that those two shouldn't have got married. But then I I debated, well, what am I going to do? They're older in life, they should know better, and they're living together anyway, so what difference does it make? But the thing that I saw after we got done, and I said, you may kiss your bride, I saw the fangs come out. In other words, I saw that one married down. I saw that one was unequally yoked with another one. But a true father doesn't have a lot of friends. Because a true father does have to say it like it is. And that's not popular. See, a father knows what it takes in one's character to contain and maintain the blessing and the inheritance, the legacy of God. Because you know what? He's going through the process just like you, and even more so. In Proverbs chapter 25, verse 2, it says, It's the glory of God to conceal a matter, but the glory of kings is to search out a matter. It's the glory of God to conceal something but then it's the glory of us to be mature sons and daughters of God. He's made us to be kings and priests after Jesus to search out that matter, to search it out. 
If you're believing for something and it hasn't happened yet, search it out. What is it that's getting in the way? And you know what? It's not God that's getting in the way, beloved. It's usually us. In Psalm 105, verses 16 through 19, I'm going to end with this. It's speaking of Joseph. And it says, Moreover, he called for a famine in the land. He destroyed all the provision of bread. He sent a man before them, and that man, of course, was Joseph, who was sold as a slave. We know the story. They hurt his feet with fetters, and he was laid in irons. Verse 19, until the time that his word came to pass, the word of the Lord tested him. A lot of you have had a personal word from the Lord. It burns inside of you. You know God's called you to that thing. And you know that word is going to continually test you until your character's ready to step out on that word. When it says here that his feet were in fetters, and when it says that, that the, um, his feet were in fetters and he was laid in irons, that word in irons means his soul came into that iron. If we, I should just read it in the Amplified for you. It just sounds better. Psalm 105, 16. Moreover, he called for a famine. That's, of course, Father God called for a famine upon the land of Egypt. He cut off every source of bread. He sent a man before them, even Joseph, who was sold for a servant. His feet they hurt with fetters. He was laid in chains of iron, and his soul entered into the iron. Until his word to his cruel brothers came true. The word of the Lord tried and tested him. Father God is doing a work right now. He, he is truly working behind the scenes. It doesn't make any sense. We, we, we think, God, where are you? But he's using that word that he's given you, and he's testing you, and he's trying you. He's getting ready for you to be revealed in that word. Amen? And in order for that to happen, you need to allow him to father you to correct you, to discipline you, to affirm you, to encourage you, to make sure you're staying on the straight and narrow. Amen? Amen. So again, I didn't get to what I really wanted to do today, but that's okay. I guess we'll pick it up next week. Are you okay if we just continue this next week? Yeah. I think it's really important that we get a hold of this revelation. I really do. Amen. Well, Father God, in the precious name of Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for allowing us to come here this morning. It's always a privilege and an honor to be here. Lord, I thank you for each one of these precious, precious brothers and sisters in Christ that are here today. I lift them up to you. I lift up all those that are normally here but are vacationing or maybe they're off with some other obligation today, Lord. We bless them as well. Lord, help us. Help us to be patient as you continue to work out these final things in our lives. Let us not lose hope in the midst of your dealings with us, Lord. 
We need you, Dad. We need you more than ever. We keep our eyes on you. And Father, I thank you. I thank you that there's such a maturity, such a stability that's coming out of each and every one of us. There's a reason that we're going through these trials. They're to bring us into a deeper relationship and a knowing of you like we've never known before. Hallelujah. We lift up the Winona Outreach. We know it's going to be absolutely amazing. We thank you for every soul that comes to know you, for every seed of righteousness that is planted. We give you glory for all of this, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you're not doing anything this afternoon, two-ish or so, at the fairgrounds, somewhere around there. <laughs>